0: This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Let's go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 again this evening. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. All right. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. and Lord, um, again, we thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for... Blessing us with the knowledge of You and blessing us with salvation. Thank You for blessing us with the indwelling presence of Your Spirit. Working within us and on us to conform us to the image of Your dear Son. Lord, thank You for Your Word and the sanctifying effect that it has on our souls. Lord, we pray as we prepare to uh, to read and consider this passage tonight that you use it to that end lord sanctify us by your truth your word is truth thank you for gathering us here granting us this sweet christian fellowship and Lord, for another opportunity to worship corporately. Help us, we pray, uh, as we again, as we get into Your Word, to focus upon You, to stay focused upon You, to continue uh, in worship. And again, we ask that You grant understanding. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All right, Um, we're going to pick up um, in chapter twelve. Again, Paul continuing his his arguments and his rebuke uh, rebukes of the Corinthian believers here, and um, with uh, you know, keep in mind this is this is with their their good in view. Chastisement, as far as Christians are concerned, chastisement from the Lord, and in this case from God's man, Paul here, chastisement is, uh, is, is to have that effect. It's, it's not, not to beat us down. Paul's intention here not, was not to beat them down, but to build them up, edifying. In fact, that's going to be right at the heart of one of uh, the very things uh, that he's, he's um He's, he's finding wrong here, or, or one of his complaints against them, or indictments against them, is that they're not, um, they're not engaged in edification. And he wants to edify them, and he wants them to edify one another. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verses 12 through 20, to the end of the chapter there. And then, uh, and then we'll pick up the discussion where we left off this morning. Verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. A couple of things here um, as we get started here. Um, we, we were talking this morning about their, their identity crisis. Forgetting. Who they are. They forgot who they were in Christ. They weren't acting like children of the kingdom. They were acting like children of darkness, children of the world. They were, as we've seen, uh, moving through these chapters, they were, they're in pursuit of worldly wisdom rather than treasuring the true wisdom, that which is of God, the, the gospel, the Christ-centered um, uh, message of God, the gospel, the crucified, the message of the crucified Savior, and they've begun to act again in in ways that are more consistent with their former life. That is, with pre-salvation. And the evidence of that is is in their schisms, for example, and as we saw this morning, their their willingness to their selfishness and in, in, in their willingness to um, take brothers and sisters to court rather than to suffer um, wrongdoing themselves. In other words, they're esteeming self above others instead of the other way around, um, which would be the, the, the Christ-like way to operate. So in all of this, they're showing signs that they're forgetting who they are. And they're identifying more with the world and with their their former life than than they are with Christ and the new the new life that they have in Christ. And so, at the at the heart of that, and I think um, usually at, at at the at the core of this, when we experience these same problems, is forgetting where ownership lies. So it's just like this morning when I was talking about the. I have rights mentality. You know we we tend to think, I mean that's just where we default, you know, it's all about me. And I've got rights and I've got, you know, my way of doing things and certain things that I deserve and so forth. And we forget that we we don't uh we don't run things, we don't own things, we don't even own ourselves, which that's the real issue here. The church church at Corinth, and this is true of all local churches everywhere and of the church universal, belongs to no one except the Lord. And that's true of every individual as well. And I'm reminded as I'm reading this, I'm just kind of a somewhat of a different issue, but somewhat of a parallel of Malachi 3. Malachi 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, How shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. Now, that's, that's God through, through the prophet Malachi asking a rhetorical question here to make a point. Will a man rob God? And they're probably all thinking at this point, well, we, we don't rob God. We, we don't steal from God. What does he mean, rob God? Well, he explains, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. So, they were withholding their tithes and offerings, and God says to them, you are robbing me because you are withholding something that is mine. Now, that's the issue there, I think, in Malachi. In other words, God doesn't need our money, He didn't need their money. Now, they were commanded, or not just money, but the fruit of the field. They were commanded to bring the first fruits of the crops. A tenth of the increase, right off the top, was considered holy to the Lord. It belonged to God. And they were withholding that. And so, God... Says rightly so, you're robbing God. You're you're withholding something that is rightfully mine. It belongs to me. Now again, that's the issue: claiming possession of something that belongs to God, robbing God. They came to Jesus to tempt him at one point, and they said. Is it lawful to pay taxes unto Caesar? Of course, what they were trying to do was trip him up. You know, if he, they, if, if, if he said, well, you know what, you, you need to be loyal to Caesar and you need to pay taxes, then, they, then the Jews could accuse him of being a traitor against the Jews and say, look, you know, this, this man is more concerned about the Roman government than he is his own country because they were being oppressed by the Romans to some extent. Living under their, their authority. On the other hand, if, if Jesus said no, you know, we, we don't need to pay taxes to the Romans, then they could accuse him of being a traitor against Rome. Say, this man's an insurrectionist, which they did ultimately accuse him of being, but they thought they had him either way. Is it lawful to pay taxes? And they hated tax collectors. Jews hated paying taxes and they hated tax collectors. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus said, bring me a a coin. And so they brought to him a piece of money. And Jesus said, "Whose, whose image and superscription is on this coin? They said, Caesar. I had Caesar's mugs stamped right on it. it it's Caesar. And Jesus said, therefore, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but unto God what is God's. And I think what he's saying there, <clears throat> that coin that you pay taxes with is stamped... With the image of Caesar. So, therefore, it belongs to Caesar. Give it to Caesar. Render it to Caesar. But you, this is what he's telling the Pharisees and all of the unbelievers who were trying to trip him up. But you, on the other hand, are stamped with the image of God. So, yes, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. But render unto God what is God's. Don't rob God. God owns us, so that's going to be the issue here. There's, there's kind of again a, a, a we'll just be nice and call it forgetfulness, but you know, of who we belong to, and so again, they're they're engaging in um, various forms of ungodly um, behavior. Because they don't remember who they are, or who they belong to, or what true wisdom is, what salvation is all about. Let's go back to verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but, all, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. Let me stop there just for a moment. I've, I've had to, uh, I'll admit, over the past few weeks, I've you know, looked at this, and I've, I've had to approach this differently than I, than I have in the past. And I, I've always looked at these statements. Um, for example, the first one in verse 12, all things are lawful for me, which is repeated. I've always looked at these statements as statements of of Christian liberty. Now, I'm not going to be talking on Christian liberty specifically tonight. I mean, we we can make the case for that from other places. and, and, uh, and, And this to me was just one more text that you could parallel with some others. Um, to basically say what they're saying, thing what they're saying here, all things are lawful. All things are lawful for me now because we're we're not under law; we're under the under grace. Yet we're constrained. Just to kind of uh, um, sum it up, we're, yet we're constrained um, by the by the law of love, so that we act in ways that are edifying, even though. Um, we could say all things are lawful. So some things might be lawful, but they might not be edifying, and that's what governs us. Love. Well, I still think, um, as I said, that there's that's true. But I would have to go to other places, I think, to to show that out, which we're not going to do, do tonight. I'm only mentioning it here because I want to I want to give you a different way of looking at it. There seems to be a. a Pretty much a consensus on, uh, with some of the, the, the commentators that I've been reading based upon the structure of the, the text here. And, 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 it's, and you can even go back and compare some of the passages we've already read. This, this, this makes sense to me um, because of the way that Paul is using irony in, in these verses and, uh, and his rhetorical questions and, and repeating things that they say. There seems to be a consensus here that many of these statements are actually um, mottoes if you will you know statements that the Corinthians would use to to kind of uh, back up their immorality their their view so for example if 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 you're if you're looking at an a, a, a English Standard Version, I'm not sure about some of the others, but you will see quotation marks here, and that's the reason they're there. In other words, like that first statement, all things are lawful for me, uh, in the ESV is in quotation marks. So in other words, what Paul is doing is quoting something they say. He's not saying this is, this is how it is, all things are lawful for me, but he's saying, just to paraphrase it, you say all things are lawful for me. But, then Paul replies, not all things are helpful. You say all things are lawful for me. This, this is a phrase that they commonly said. But, he, he responds again, but I will not be enslaved by anything. You say food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. But, Paul answers again, God will destroy both one one. And the other, so so you kind of get the picture there. He's 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 quoting um, sayings that they are used to reciting to um, to, to uh, back up their their, their position. And we've talked a little bit about this already, um, and this is why you see uh, I think so much of of the immorality that he's referring to here because they're making such a separation between the body and spirit. And so they can more or less justify immorality in the body because they don't see it as having anything to do with their spiritual state. So in the body, all things are lawful for me, therefore I can visit temple prostitutes. All things are lawful for me, so therefore... A man can have his father's wife in sexual relationship and the rest of the church can put their stamp of approval on that. Because all things are lawful in the body. What you do in the body doesn't affect your spiritual state. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. So again, just a justification for... Overindulgence. So all of these things are, are sayings of the Corinthians justifying their immorality. All things are lawful for me. And Paul is answering these statements. So again, verse 12. All things are lawful for me. The idea is you say. But, Paul says, not all things are Helpful. He repeats the saying again. All things are lawful for me. But, he says in response, I will not be enslaved by anything. So, he's saying, okay, you want to say all things are lawful? But here's the problem. Not all things are helpful. Not all things are helpful. And what you, what you ought to be engaged in are things that are Helpful. All things are lawful, you want to say, but here's the deal. I'm not going to be enslaved to anything, Paul says, and that's the problem. You are giving yourselves license to do all things, and in the process you're being enslaved to different manifestations of sin. Food is meant for the stomach, the stomach for food, but Paul says, look, God will destroy both one and the other. Now he gets down to the way things are supposed to be. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. Again, they're using the sayings above to justify the immorality that they're engaging in. Paul says plainly, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. So you you think What you do in the body has no bearing on your spiritual state. I'm telling you, the body is not for those things. The body is for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Verse 14, And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. And by the way, how did He raise the Lord? Bodily. Right? And Paul is saying, He's going to raise us up bodily. Now, verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? The body's for the Lord, Paul says. Now, the Corinthians are going, visiting prostitutes and the pagan temples there. Again, justifying it with the idea that all things are lawful for me. You know, I'm, 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 I'm saved, I'm right with God, spiritually speaking, I'm, I'm spiritual. You know, we dealt with that early on. You know, Paul had to, had to talk about what true spirituality was about. But in their thinking they are spiritual, and now they're they're above this worldly existence, so to speak. And so we can do these things in the body and it doesn't affect us spiritually. Paul says, Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ? It's not just your your spirit that is joined with Christ. It's not just your spirit, that uh, the immaterial part of you that God owns and has claim on. It's your bodies as well. Your bodies are members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never, Paul says. I mean, he's, he's trying to show how, how absurd that is. Or do you not know, verse 16, do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? He's pulling this truth from um, Genesis 2. When Adam said, she's now you know, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Paul says, don't you know, don't you know that whoever is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, and he quotes from Genesis here, the two shall become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. What he's saying is, the body belongs to the Lord. The body is for the Lord. So you don't take what belongs to the Lord and join it to a prostitute. As a matter of fact, the verb there in, in chapter 15, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 15, um, shall I take? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? That, the verb for take there is the idea of take away. Take away. So, so literally, um, it's, it's the idea you take it away from Christ and make it a member of a prostitute flee sexual immorality he says because that's 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 ludicrous to, to to engage in something like that with something yourself your own body with something that belongs to the lord flee from sexual immorality that's uh, um, that's essentially the same advice that he gives uh, Timothy in his letter to Timothy and and it's it's that's great advice I mean it's it's uh, you know it's not uh, get stronger endure it or anything like that. run from it that's that's the right response to, to sexual immorality right Just just get away from it don't don't even put yourself in a place of temptation um, just uh just a little application there. Uh, um, men and ladies, I started to say guys, because you know that's, that's naturally the way I think. But because um, Don't put yourself in a position to be tempted with sexual immorality. I don't care if it's um, with a, uh, a living woman or if it's in some visual form, such as on the internet, magazines, whatever. Don't even put yourself there. Flee from it. That's what Paul says. Run from it. Get away from it. Your body belongs to the Lord. And of course, if you're married, we know from the next chapter, your body uh, belongs to your wife, or for the women, your body belongs to your husband. Please, sexual immorality. Every other sin, again verse 18, every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. You're actually taking your own body and engaging it in an act of sin. The sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Now, again, why is all of that so bad? Verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Now, we've seen this already. Very similar language. If you look back just for a moment, look back into chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you, if anyone destroys God's temple you will he God will destroy him for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple now i I mentioned when we were dealing with that passage that the the pronouns there are plural, so uh if we had a uh a good you know if we had a good southern translation of the Bible, that would stand out a little there don't y'all know? That y'all are God's temple? And that God's Spirit dwells in y'all? That's what Paul is saying. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the church. Y'all, you all are God's temple. And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. But here... He is talking about individuals. Individuals who join themselves to prostitutes, for example. And the principle is much the same. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? That is, you individually, the Spirit of God dwells in you. In your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. See what he's saying? You, you, you don't have ownership. You, you don't have ownership of the church, the congregation, and you don't have ownership of your own body. You belong to the Lord. What you do with your body... Matters. What you use the members of your body for matters. Because it belongs to God and it is the temple, a temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. A few months back, we had a youth meeting back here in, Uh, Brother Ron came to help out and and, and, uh, he he, he was telling the the kids, you know, if if you're saved, if you know Christ, then you need to remember this. And I'm going to give you the short short version here. But but he, he just basically said, remember that wherever you go and whatever you do, you're taking Jesus with you. Well, it's not like you can, you know... Leave him in the car and say, I'll be back in a little bit <laughs> and, and go uh, do whatever it is you want to do, and maybe he's not looking, he's with you. that's kind of what Paul's saying your your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. he's in you, and you are not your own that's it's amazing that you would have to say that to God's people. It's amazing that you would have to say that to a church who sings songs, you know, about being bought by the blood. He sought me. He bought me. But, Paul had to say it to them, and we have to be reminded of it too. You're not your own. Verse 20, for you were bought... With a price. Now we're back to the exhortation that we ended with this morning. Will a man rob God? Yes. I mean, we we take, we take, that's the essence of our sin. We take what belongs to God and we claim ownership. And we say, well, you know, I'll just I'll just do what I want to do with my life. I'll just I'll just do what I want to do with my body. After all, I know what's best for me, I know what I like. And we rob God. So Paul says, huh, remember, remember, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. You're bought. You're paid for. So, here's the exhortation, glorify God in your body. That's, that's what we're here for. To glorify Him. We belong to Him. He has possession. We're His. He bought us. Remember the beginning where Paul referred to them as the holy ones, the sanctified. That is, they're set apart. For God's use, for God's purpose, because they belong to God. That's the idea behind being holy. That's the term saints. We're, we're the saints of God. It doesn't mean that we're, uh, we're flawless or that we're pure, sinless, because we're not. But we're set apart for God's use. He owns us. We belong to Him. He has purchased us. And so, we have one purpose now. To glorify Him. To glorify Him. They said, all things are lawful for me. And Paul says, but wait a minute. All things aren't helpful. In what sense? In in the mission, in the purpose. To glorify God. We do. We have, a, we have, a, we have much liberty in Christ. Lord willing, as we move through the, the next chapters, we'll have to discuss that. Because Paul deals with it. We've got a lot of liberty in Christ. But the primary goal is to glorify God. That's what sets the agenda. So it's not just, what can I do now? Or what can I get away with now? Or, you know, all things are lawful for me. It's what can I do now to glorify Him? How can my life and even my body, how can my speech be used to glorify God, we're His. We belong to Him. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. So, glorify God. Don't 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 rob Him. Now, hear hear me here, or else you'll you'll think I'm I'm talking about giving money. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about stealing yourself. Don't, don't rob God. Don't take what's His. Your life belongs to Him. Your body belongs to Him. Your eyes belong to Him. Whatever they see, that's God's business. It's all about glorifying Him. Your mouth, whatever it tastes, needs to be things that glorify God. You're all about glorifying Him. The words that come out need to be God-glorifying words. The thoughts that go on up here need to be God-glorifying thoughts. That's our primary purpose. Glorify Him. You're not your own. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we love you and Lord, <laughs> we're so thankful, Lord, to be bought. Bought, paid for, redeemed. Lord, we pray <clears throat> that you guard us, Lord, from from the from the error that we we see here. It seems among the Corinthian church, that of losing sight of our purpose, forgetting our identity, forgetting that we belong to You, body and soul, so we pray, Lord, that You keep us focused. Grant that desire that we may uh, truly seek to honor you in all that we do, so that you are indeed glorified in us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana.